the Bible says, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. The Bible says in Romans chapter number 5, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons.
that you had a good afternoon, uh, time of fellowship. Man, we're only a couple days away from Christmas. I'm excited about that and uh, going to have a good time with my wife and, of course, our son of three months. I probably won't have any idea what's going on, obviously, but uh, we'll have a good time, take lots of pictures, I'm sure, and whatnot. But uh, reflecting upon the fact that God the Father gave His only Son for worthless, vile sinners Uh, is just a tremendous thought. And I don't know if I could willingly give up my own son for the life of someone else. And to think that God gave us His Son for the the sins of everyone. Tonight I really want us to focus on 1 John, chapter number 3, verses 1 through 3. 1 John 1, uh, excuse me, 1 John 3, looking at verses 1 through 3. Just for a few minutes tonight, and promise that we won't keep you long, but... Uh, just studying some things this afternoon, and God just began to work in my heart on some, a few things that I believe will be a blessing to you tonight. 
In 1 John chapter number 3, reading verses 1 through 3, once you found your place, if you could join me in standing for the reading of God's Word, if you would, uh, join with me, giving respect to the Word of God here this evening. <coughs> the Bible says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And now it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself, even as He is pure. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we go into the thoughts that You have for us tonight from 1 John 3, verses 1-3, through I pray that we're overwhelmed as we consider the manner of love that You gave us so willingly, so freely. We did not deserve this love. Lord, uh, so many times we're ungrateful for this love. But I pray tonight, during the service and the remainder of the hour that we have, that You'll rekindle a burning in our heart, a passion uh, to passionately love You as You passionately love us. Lord, we ask for Your direction. Holy Spirit of God, we ask for Your wisdom, the words to say tonight. We ask for power from on high, uh, anointing, fresh oil to fall from heaven. I pray that we'll be able to sense Your presence here with us this evening in a spectacular and a supernatural way. I pray that You'll stir our hearts tonight to love You even more as we look at Your love for us. We ask that You'll convict us in the areas in which we've been lacking. Stir us to be the Christians that we ought to be in Christ, and we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, I don't know about you, but I don't ever want the story of Christ, of Christmas, or of Calvary to ever grow old in my life. Every single day I want to keep that fresh, especially as we approach these holidays, uh, Christmas time, thinking about the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that for so many centuries, so many generations, people waited for Him, longing for Him to come. Reading of the promised Messiah in the Old Testament, all those prophecies that were given from the men of old and how that Christ actually did come and He did die upon the cross. I don't ever want the story of Christ and all that He did, uh, the story of Christmas in and of itself and how that He stepped from heaven's throne so willingly, so selflessly as we preached on last night in the Christmas banquet. And of course, the ultimate reason why Christ came and that was to walk down the Via della Russa and to go up Golgotha and to die upon Calvary's hill there for your sins and mine. The Bible says in 1 John chapter number 3, verse 16, Hereby perceive we the love of God, or we can discern and understand and recognize what the love of God is, the manifestation of God's love, the Bible says, because He laid down His life for us. As you consider verse number 1 of 1 John chapter number 3, the first verse of our text, the Bible says, Behold, or pay attention, notice, recognize, hey, this is some good stuff right here. Listen up, He's saying, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God? Who am I to be a son of God? Who are you to uh, be a child of God, knowing who we are, knowing what we're capable of, but yet being able to be a part of the family of God, having been adopted through what Christ did for us on the cross. And the first thing that we can notice tonight here is the amazement of His love. And truly tonight we ought to be amazed, every day amazed of the love of God and how that God the Father gave us His Son, the love of the Father, but also the love of Christ by so willingly and freely and selflessly giving Himself as a sacrifice. 
to think about what the Bible says in Psalm 8, verse number 1 through 4. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is Thy name in all the earth, who hast set Thy glory above the heavens. When I consider Thy heavens, the work of Thy fingers, the moon and the stars which Thou hast ordained, what is man that Thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that Thou visitest him? And as we preached on this morning and referenced, considering the great expanse of the universe, thousands of galaxies, a multitude of light years from one expanse to the other, to think of how the solar system that we live in, the planet Earth, is just but a speck of light on the great greatness of the Milky Way galaxy. And to think that God in His love was mindful of us and we are but dust, just a small speck in comparison to the greatness of the universe. The Bible says, What is man that thou art mindful of him? What is man, the son of man, that thou visitest him? And we ought to be amazed tonight at the love of God, and especially when we enter the Christmas season, especially with tomorrow, Christmas Eve. Man, we got the hustle and bustle of the holidays. Maybe a little bit last minute shopping. Amen. And uh, I... My secular side coming out real quick. You know, I love that movie, Jingle All the Way. I probably... Is this thing recording? Oh, no, that's not good. But anyway, I tell you what, the hustle and the bustle of trying to get that last-minute toy. I don't know if you've stooped low to watch it, but I have. At least I did when I was a kid. And anyway, that was kind of a tradition. But anyway, I'm just digging myself a hole here. Anyway, but uh, you know, Christmas holidays and the hustle and bustle of the thing, of what we are experiencing, may we never forget the reason for this season and truly be amazed at the love of God that He showed to you and to me. The Bible says in 1 John 3, verse number 8, For this purpose, this is the reason right here for the season. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that He might destroy the works of the devil. The Bible says also in verse number 5 of 1 John 3, and ye, excuse me, and ye know that He was manifested to take away our sins. Listen tonight, Satan is roaming around the world, isn't he? The Bible says that he is a roaring lion walking about seeking who he may devour. And the devil is trying to deceive men. He's trying to keep their eyes blinded. He's trying to keep their hearts from hearing the truth of the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus Christ. He is trying to take people to the place called hell. And the Lord Jesus Christ came, was manifested. He was born so many years ago so that he might destroy the works of the devil and be able to break for us free from the bondage of sin and the destiny of hell that we rightly deserve. The Bible says in 1 John 4, verse number 9 and 10, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Or this is it right here. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us, and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's a big old long fancy word, isn't it? Propitiation. What? Propitiation. And that means uh, that God, in a simple definition here, uh, that God, of course, is a just and a righteous and a holy God. Uh, God cannot allow sin into His presence or into heaven. God uh, must judge sin for what it is. And God made a place called hell, a place where He would cast Satan, He would cast the fallen angels, a place where He would cast all abominations, iniquity, wickedness, and sin, a place where He would cast it away from His sight for all of eternity. And once time was no more and eternity began, hell would be sealed and set apart somewhere out of, uh, away from the sight of God. 
A place where all wickedness and corruption would be put for all of eternity. The problem is that we are sinners. And because of our sin, we fall short of the glory and the perfection of God. And if we tried to go to heaven on our own, no matter how hard we tried, we would never be able to reach heaven in and of our own doing. Someone had to die upon the cross. Someone had to present himself as a sacrifice, a sinless sacrifice, to take away the sin of the world. And his name was Jesus. The word propitiation means this, standing in the way of God's judgment. God had to pour out His wrath because He is a just God. And He must judge sin for what it is. He cannot allow sin into heaven. But Jesus Christ stands in the way between me, a sinner, and God, a just and holy God. And through the righteousness of Christ, I have access into the holiest of holies. Amen? The Bible says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And that's exactly what he meant in John 14:6. He was speaking here how that he was the propitiation for our sins. He was going to appease the wrath of God and stand between us and the holiness of God. The Bible says in 1 John 4, verse number 14, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. God the Father knew that He was just. God the Father knew that He could not allow sin into heaven. God the Father wanted us to be in heaven with Him. And He realized the only way possible that it can even be achieved was by sending His own Son to be the Savior of the world. Truly tonight, I hope that you're amazed just like I am. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed, or He has freely given to us, that we should be called the sons of God. And when we enter the Christmas season and we go into the holidays here tomorrow and Sunday, uh, excuse me, and Tuesday, Christmas time, truly we ought to be amazed at the love of God by sending His own Son. Amazed at what the Lord Jesus Christ Himself endured for you and for me. All the things that He did for us upon this earth. To think that He was born not in a palace, but in poverty. How that He was not born in wealth, but He was born there to Joseph and Mary, just poor people there from Nazareth area. And they went down to Bethlehem. And of course, as Pastor had mentioned this morning in the Sunday school hour, that there was a decree of taxation that went around the world from Caesar Augustus. And these two individuals had to travel all the way down to Bethlehem so that they could pay their taxes. A lot of times we see paintings, we see films, we see various pictures, maybe computer art, representations of Mary and Joseph on their way. We see Mary riding a donkey. Only the rich truly could afford such an uh, could afford such an animal as this. Now, we don't know if she did or not. I personally believe that she walked the entire way out of poverty. They could only give uh, two turtle doves as an offering there for the birth of Christ, the poorest of the poor. And how that the Bible teaches us that there was no room for them. There was not even a place where the Lord Jesus Christ could be born. Everyone was heartless. No one had mercy. And there they had to be in the stable, in the barn, the place where the animals were kept. And to think that it was a, it was a busy place. Man, it had to be crowded. Do you think of all the people that were in the inn? And truly, if the inn was maxed out, the barn had to be maxed out. I tell you what, 
And there they were able to try to find a place where they could lay the Christ child from the coldness of the evening and to keep him warm. Of course, we're familiar with the swaddling clothes. There's a couple of different thoughts on what that actually was. But truly, and what I personally believe, is that in the Middle East, back during the biblical times, people traveling long distances were often met with many hardships and trials on their journeys. Especially if you're walking great distances, you've got bandits, you've got wild animals, all sorts of things that you're coming up against. In the event of a death in travel, the body could not continue to be transported for many days. For that reason, travelers wrapped a thin gauze-like cloth around their waist many times. If someone died on the journey, the others would use this cloth, referred to as swaddling clothes, to wrap the corpse in before burying them. When Jesus was born, there was no room for Him in the inn. And so Mary and Joseph used a nearby stable for Jesus' birth. With no other cloth to use, Jesus was probably wrapped in Joseph's own swaddling clothes. The cloth normally reserved for a person's death. The signification here tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is that the King of kings and Lord of lords came into this earth in a lowly manger and was wrapped in burial clothes. In truth, He was born... To die. To die for the sins of all mankind. And when we celebrate Christ's birth this Christmas season, keep in mind that even in His birth, He was preparing for His death. His ultimate reason for coming to the earth to save us from our sins. May we consider Christ and be amazed by His love and how that He endured the torture and the mockery and the ridicule. He did all of this for others. He tolerated being blindfolded and forced to His knees and surrounded by cruel men who beat Him with their fists, pulled out His hair and His beard and spit upon His face. He did all of that for others. He suffered through the merciless lashings of the cat of nine tails for others. With His hands tied together above His head, the cat of nine tails would wrap around His chest. And the leather straps that were studded with bone, stone, and sharp metal would yank the flesh from off of His rib cage. He endured all of this for others. A crown of thick thorns was placed upon his head and beat him into his skull. A purple garment was wrapped about his tattered body, then ripped off of him once the wounds began to set. He persisted and endured all these things for others. He became so disfigured that his own earthly mother, the Virgin Mary, could not even recognize him as he hung upon that cross. He received all of this brutality for you and for me. And tonight, as we enter the Christmas season, may we realize that He did all of this for others. Though He was weak, had to crawl on His hands and knees to make it up Mount Calvary, was publicly shamed upon the cross, and was forced to die a criminal's death, He did not quit until He was able to cry aloud in victory, It is finished. And of course, we know the rest of the story. Amen? That it did not end there. Now, once the Prince of Peace, who had never had a place to rest his head, once he was laid in that borrowed tomb, the story was not yet complete. After witnessing Golgotha, many thought that their king was gone, their promised Messiah, the long-awaited one, was dead. Even his own disciples hid in fear, their hearts drowning in grief. Nevertheless, our Lord did promise that He would return after three long days. In the end of the Sabbath, as it was prophesied and as He Himself said, As it approached the beginning of the week, the first day of the week, the fulfillment of time came. And Satan was defeated, and God raised His Son up to life again.
And Jesus arose the victor over the dark domain. The Bible teaches us in Acts 17, verse number 3, that Christ must needs have suffered and rise again from the dead. He did all of those things for you and for me. There's so many things that we could stop and ponder upon this evening. I felt led to just read my notes instead of just preaching it because it might take twice as long. But I hope you get the idea. I hope you understand the amazement of His love. And I hope that you truly are amazed. So many times we lose sight of all that He endured for us. But we see secondly in verse number 2. Are you still with me tonight? Would you say amen? Just a lot of things here. A lot of thoughts for us tonight. But secondly, we see not only the amazement of His love in verse number 1, but we see the excitement from His love in verse number 2. The Bible says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Praise the Lord, I am saved. I am a child of God. How exciting that is to know that my sins are washed away. Never once will I have to worry about dying and going to hell for all of eternity. But it keeps on going. He says, It doth not yet appear what we shall be, But we know that, or I am completely confident, I have a full understanding, when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. The excitement as a result from His love is that the best is yet to come for the Christian. And praise the Lord that death is not the end. But as a child of God, we will be able to enjoy eternity with Him forever. The best is yet to come. You think of all the wonders and glories of heaven. All the things that we will get to enjoy in the presence of God. First and foremost, being able to see Jesus Christ face to face. To literally be in a city made of gold. To be able to see the glory of God surrounding His holy throne. And to be in a place where there's no more crying, dying, or pain. A place where there's no more night. Where the glory of God will forever shine with eternal light. Where we will be able to gather round the throne of the great I Am and give praises unto Him for all that He's done in our life. I believe at that time we will proclaim, "'Twas worth it all when our time on earth is past and we stand in heaven's glory, home at last." The best is yet to come for the Christian. We have hope. And there's truly an excitement as a result from His love. The Bible says in Psalm 17, verse number 15, As for me, I will behold thy face, speaking to God, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Praise the Lord, we will one day be without sin, a glorified body with God for all of eternity. Right, think about it. 100 billion years is just the first second on the clock in heaven. Being able to be Him, be with Him for all of eternity. The Bible says in First uh, in First Corinthians two verse number nine. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. Ephesians two verse number six and seven says, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. I tell you what, I don't know exactly what all this means, but all I know is it's going to be good. 
And listen, if you're lost here tonight, you don't know if you're a child of God, if you don't ever remember the time that you prayed, acknowledging that you're a sinner, acknowledging the penalty and the punishment for our sin, being separation from God, not being able to go to heaven in and of our own selves, and accepting Jesus Christ in your heart as your Savior. If you do that, you'll be a child of God. You'll be saved. But if you don't do that, you better be prepared for the judgment that will be awaiting you. Praise the Lord that we don't have to do anything. But He did it all. And the amazement of His love. The excitement from His love. And lastly tonight and quickly, we see in verse number 3 of 1 John 3, the commitment as a result of His love. The commitment that we ought to have as a result of His love. The Bible says, "...and every man that hath this hope..." What hope is He speaking about? The hope of glory. Amen? The hope of eternal life. The hope of being able to be with God for all of eternity. The hope of... um, what we believe becoming a reality. He says, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. The Bible says, and I'll make this clear here in a moment, the Bible says in Psalm 116, verse number 12, What shall I render? Asking a question. What shall I render? Or what in the world can I give back unto God for all His benefits toward me? Truly tonight, I believe... That as a result of the love of God, we ought to love Him in return. We ought to have a commitment in our heart, an old-fashioned desire, and some determination about us to say, you know what, I want to glorify God with my life. God has done so much for me. What can I do for Him? God asks us to live a life that will glorify and please Him. That's all He asks us to do. Amen? There's so many things that involve with that. That's a whole message in and of itself. But listen, we ought to live right, talk right, walk right, serve Him right, be right with God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7, verse number 1, Dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting or completing holiness in the fear of God, or completing holiness in our life, making it become a reality in our life with a respect, a reverence, and an awe of who God is. An awe of His love. An excitement of what He's done for us. A reverence. And, a, and, and also uh, here speaking of a respect for who God is. And truly He deserves that. Amen. And completing holiness in our life. Being holy as a Christian. The commitment that we ought to have as a result of His love is to be holy. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 13, Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourself according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as He which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Conversation there is not speaking of our communication with other individuals, but the way we live our lives, our conversation, every aspect of our life. Just as God is holy, we ought to be holy. Amen? We need to be. And there needs to be an old-fashioned revival in the churches across the United States of America of holiness once again. Amen? We need to get holy. We need to get right with God. You can think about His love and we ought to be amazed of His love and we ought to consider the excitement from His love and the future that we have. The best is yet to come. And as a result, say, God, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't understand why you love someone like me. What can I give back to you? What can I render unto you for all your benefits toward me? All your love that you've shown to me. What can I do? 
The least thing I can do is please You. Glorify You with my life, my body, my everything. And live holy. Where does Jesus live? Oh, of course, He lives in heaven. But when we ask Him into our hearts, He comes inside. And what are we? We are temples, the Bible says. We are a place where God dwells. A place where Christ lives with us day by day, always being with us, never leaving us or forsaking us. The least we could do is have a clean house. Amen? I don't know about you, I don't like going to somebody's house. You know, I'm company, the place is a wreck. I just, you just feel awkward and like, man, I want to do something. Okay, y'all don't think anything bad. It was great today. Okay, don't be taking it wrong. It was perfect. Amen. So our house is probably more of a disaster. I don't know, but uh, anyway. But I tell you what, but you understand what I'm talking about? Listen, we need to have a clean life, clean life, clean life, clean heart, clean mind. <coughs> in conclusion tonight, I just want to mention just a few verses, and we will be done. I appreciate you paying attention. More of a scriptural message than anything else, and I hope that it's made sense this evening. The Bible says in 1 John 4, verse number 19, we love Him because He first loved us. When you think about the amazement of His love, the excitement from His love, man, we love Him in return. We can show Him our love by the way we live our lives. The Bible says in 1 John 3, verse number 18, My little children, let us love not in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. We say, yes, I love God. But does our actions Speak louder than our words. They ought to. Yes, I love God as we do something that we know we shouldn't do. Oh, I love God as we watch something that we shouldn't watch. Oh, I love God as we hang around people that we shouldn't be hanging around. And you could go down the whole long list of application with that thought right there. The Bible says in 1 John, just a few more verses. Listen now, these things are tying together. It says in 1 John 2, verse number 15 through 17, Love not the world. He's begging. He said, listen, I I know it looks alluring, it looks tempting, it looks pleasurable, but love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If we love the world, and we love the things of the world, uh, we will lose our amazement of who God is and what He's done. We will lose an excitement about the Christian life and about the love and the future that we have in God. And we wonder why we're dead and lethargic. We wonder why we're apathetic. And uh, it's because we're loving the things of the world and the love of God is not dwelling in us. He says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The Bible says, And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The Bible says, the last two verses here tonight, Matthew 22, verse number 37, Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And the least we could do is do that. In conclusion, the Bible says in 1 John 5, verse number 3, For this, are you ready? This is the love of God. This is how we, and what he's saying, and I'll explain, this is how we can show our love for God. That we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. His commandments are not burdensome. It's like, oh man, i gotta got to do this. i got to go to church. i got to read my Bible. i got to pray. i got to go so many. They're not grievous. Not a rolling of the eyes. A do I have to attitude, but a get-to attitude. I get to serve God. Amen? Praise the Lord, I get to. And listen, if we want to show God that we love Him tonight, love Him with every, every part of your being. Love Him, keep His commandments. 
What has He commanded us to do? Be holy, for He is holy. What's He commanded to do? Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. He wants us to be in the house of God. What does He want us to do? Hey, He wants us to go out and reach the lost and dying world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The least we could do is, by showing Him our love, is by doing simply what He's asked us to do, and to glorify Him through our bodies and please Him with our lives. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Thank you so much for your attentiveness tonight. Heavenly Father, we come before You this evening. I know that we went through a lot of material. I pray that everything flowed together. Considering and beholding the manner of love that You freely gave us, You bestowed upon us. To think about the amazement of Your love. That we should be called the sons of God. I don't deserve that. But I get to be called a son of God because of Your love knowing the future that we have in You, that one day we will be as You are, holy and perfect with a glorified body in heaven for all of eternity, the excitement that comes from this love. But Lord, considering and with conviction tonight, the commitment that we ought to have as a result of Your love, we ought to purify ourselves. We ought to say, wow, I am so overwhelmed with what God has done for me in His love. I am so excited about the future I have with Him. Sure, I'll be more than willing to live a life that pleases Him. I'll be more than willing to live a, live a life that glorifies Him that's pure, a life that's holy, a life that reflects Him. Lord, I pray that You be with us tonight as we go into the Christmas season. Truly, the love of God is what Christmas is all about. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. This is the undeniable message of Christmas. God, be with us now in invitation. In Christ's name we pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Pastor will come. Let's all stand together as pianist plays. Lord spoke to your heart. I hope you'll come.